When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take on your etiquette questions about neighbors crossing your property, babies in small apartments in Helsinki hoping to use no gifts please on their birthday invitations, how to be caring but not intrusive when friends are experiencing hard times, and a doozy of a monogram problem with a very simple solution. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on preparing for Thanksgiving. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post Senning. <laughs> and you're laughing this morning because you're into happiness. <laughs> I'm happy. It was the issue from October 2nd of this year. And on page 33, you've got all these wonderful smiley faces staring at you, telling you that this is a quick and easy guide to happiness. And it made me extra happy because do you know what the first thing on their list is? I'm guessing it had something to do with etiquette. It definitely did. It's write a thank you note. I was so impressed. And it says reflecting on a friend's impact can brighten your day and theirs. I am so not surprised, although pleased to hear this, because we talk on this show not infrequently about the connection between gratitude and expressing gratitude and having gratitude in our lives and the way that makes people feel happy. I'm funny you should say that in doing it for yourself. The, I believe, fifth box listed says jot down what you're grateful for. Doing so has been linked to greater feelings of happiness, reminding yourself of what's good. On this show, we both hear in people's questions, and we feel it ourselves when we try to imagine what it's like to be in that circumstance, just what it's like when things aren't going right. And so many things can go wrong in a day. It is so wonderful to actively practice Thinking about what's good, what's going well, what you're feeling grateful for. I totally believe that 100% that it makes your life a better, happier life. And what better way to jot down something you're thankful for than to jot it down in a thank you note that you share with someone else? Absolutely. A surprise on the list was snap a smartphone photo. I was really like, okay, come on. Like, what what app sponsored this? You know what I mean? And then I read it and it says, it directs your attention, which may enhance your pleasure of the moment. Well, we Isn't def- that interesting? It is. And, and oftentimes we think about the way our, our devices distract us or mediate our communication set up these barriers to empathy is sort of a theme that I think has emerged around new technology. But it can also improve our lives. It can also be something that when used well and appreciated can focus our attention on the good things. This one I loved because you're going to laugh because you know how I work. This one says, drop almost everything. One study found that the more people multitask, the higher their anxiety levels. You know that when I am like running around like a chicken with my head cut off trying to do three things at once that my anxiety just shoots through the roof. Simplify, simplify, simplify. Um, This one might be debatable by dermatologists out there, but get some sun, which may help regulate mood by boosting serotonin, a brain chemical linked to calmness. Makes sense to me. I always feel better when I'm out in the sun. As the days get shorter here in Vermont, this is a tip I can appreciate. Definitely that cabin fever that starts to set in midwinter, I think, might have something to do with this. Oh, yeah. We also have do a mini meditation. A brief but consistent mindfulness habit can help people better react to stress. And you know that stress leads to more rudeness, which leads to more stress. That is a slide in our seminars. Well, And, and I'm going to connect this one right back to etiquette. I like to think of etiquette as a mindfulness practice about totally. other people. 
that the the consideration component that we talk about being so important to good etiquette has to do with awareness, that awareness about other people and making that a practice, making that an intentional mindfulness practice, I think is one way to maybe approach this? I tell you, I told you that in the mornings I've been sitting, I've cleaned up my backyard and my porch area and I sit there with my coffee, tweeted a photo of it the other day, and it might not be sitting silently with my eyes closed yet, but it is definitely my time to kind of collect myself before my day starts and I'm interacting with other people just for exactly this reason that I've given myself a moment in the day. It'll help me de-stress later on. I'm also hearing the snap the photo and yeah. the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, simplify in that simplify little morning that. ritual that's developing. Um, the seventh one is buy tickets to events. People get more joy from experience than things and many memories sweeten with time. I love that one. You know I'm a big fan of that often on big birthdays or when my family is looking for kind of a big way to celebrate. I And they're asking me about that sort of thing. I say, oh, an experience would be really, really great. That's always served me well. But the final one, I feel like, comes back to etiquette again. And it's something that I felt really connected to what you all say when you write in, which is that just simply thinking of consideration, respect, and honesty more has led you to better interactions in your life. And this one is about just thinking about doing someone a favor is important. Not actually doing the favor, but thinking about it, thinking about being generous. New research shows that it's enough for a lift even before you make the act. And I just think that that, to me, is exactly what our listeners talk about when they're just saying that thought of having it in my mind all the time is giving me that lift. I love it. I love it. I just thought that was so cool. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Time Magazine, the October 2nd issue. Eight tips to happiness. Well, speaking of a lift. Yes. I always get a lift when we answer some questions. (laughs) Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-KIND, 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled, Just Passing Through. I have a question about my neighbor. We live on a corner house with a double driveway, a normal one in front, and another that cuts through our lawn. An elderly couple takes daily walks and uses our driveway as a shortcut. I've caught other people doing this, but when they see me, they are embarrassed and apologize. 
This couple does not seem to care. I even asked, Hello, can I help you with something? To which the woman replied, While on my driveway, no, we're just walking. Another time I joked, What's wrong with using the street? And they replied, (laughs) This way is faster. Oh my goodness. They make eye contact with me every day and continue to do it. Another neighbor mentioned that they're newcomers, and in their country, it's perfectly acceptable to be very communal about your space. I really do not want to approach it as, well, in Canada, we do it this way, (laughs) as it simply cannot end well, and it's not language I'd ever use. What's the best way to approach this situation? I'm also worried about any backlash I'd get for being an unwelcoming neighbor, such as them spreading word that I was petty. Can you speak to whether or not fear of retaliation should play a role in addressing etiquette? Keep doing what you do. You guys are the best. Oh, my goodness. What a pickle. My brain is going in so many different directions with this one. Direction number one is that I recall in, and I apologize now, I can't remember which culture it is, but at a certain point when you hit 88, you are free of any obligation, social obligation. So I always, when I think of when I'm dealing with folks, as you had mentioned, who are elderly, that I think there is a certain, like, you've been around long enough. You've kind of, like, played by social standards long enough. At some point, you just get free pass to, like, live out your life, right? But I don't know what the deal is. I love the fact that our uh, listener has found out that Culturally speaking, these folks might be coming from just a really different set of standards. And so this may feel totally normal to them, whereas I would interpret the this way is faster and the just taking a walk as like, nah, someone else might genuinely be be putting it out there of, yeah, we're just taking a walk. This way is faster. So that's why we do it. Like and have that be totally like normal, average, reasonable response. Whereas to me, it doesn't feel that way when I read that. (laughs) Well, so I'm I'm thinking about a series of possible responses. So many different options here. I think the first one, let's go with that feeling of there there is no ill will, there is no bad intent. In fact, let's even imagine that the interactions and exchanges haven't left any tension. (laughs) And I think you could just go with it. One option is you could say to yourself, really no harm, no foul, if these folks walk kitty corner across the, my lawn we, we occasionally, have a diagram, just there so was a diagram know, that came with this it. question. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it could be something where you say, you know, I'm going to let it go. Yeah. Option one. Option you don't one. have to, but it's always nice to put that option on the table. Changing your own perspective is a definite option. Option two. Option number two. A, a little trickier. You could kill them with kindness. You could always be overly friendly. Walk out. Walk up to them. Walk with them while they walk on your property. Talk to them. My thought here is that either one of two things will happen. They will be like, wow, way too much. We want the space of the road. Or you'll end up enjoying it and it'll become a thing. And maybe if it really doesn't work, if like they don't stop and you don't enjoy it, then you just abandon it after a couple options. It's an option, right? We're exploring options. I like where that sort of finished out. <laughs> okay. You never know where you might make a new friend. Exactly. <laughs> you right? never know where you might meet a neighbor. You never know when a relationship might change and evolve through a little positive engagement in a way that pleasantly surprises you. And in, in that spirit, <laughs> I really liked the idea of approach the whole situation with kindness. So this one's a bit extreme and definitely involves um, landscaping. But by the diagram that I'm looking at, I wonder whether or not our listener actually uses this strip of driveway that kind of cuts the corner. And if you don't use it a lot and it really doesn't, you don't like people being tempted to use it, you could consider kind of getting rid of access to this strip of driveway, right? Like you could just change the layout. That's think, an extreme option. I think the legal term is curtilage. Curtilage. <laughs> uh, is of that a fence, it? a gate at the bottom of the driveway, something like a hedge, that. something yeah. like this. Yeah. 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 Slightly more etiquette focused yes. solution. Yes. Could come out of that positive engagement. And you might find that that positive engagement doesn't lead to new friends, but leads to a discussion about boundaries, a discussion about yeah. why you would rather they didn't cut across your corner of property for whatever reason. And I think that it's reasonable to do that also, that it's reasonable to set boundaries. It's reasonable to be clear with people about what those boundaries are, particularly when they're boundaries that are recognizable. In this case, we're talking about actual property boundaries. And 
I think that you are in very good, very safe territory to be clear about that. And one way to set those boundaries is with a <laughs> curtilage. Another, <laughs> in this case, might be to talk about it. And I think, so I think that there are ways to do that that might make it an easier conversation. I agree. One idea that I have before I throw this to the master of sample <laughs> scripts okay. is that have an explanation in mind that somehow takes that – and I'm going to use this word sort of broadly trouble off of them. Okay. Acknowledge your preferences. Say, you know, when I look out my window and I see someone in the driveway, it surprises me no matter who it is. It startles me. I, yeah. I'm not used to it. It draws my attention away from X, Y, Z thing that I'm doing or – and just be ready with that explanation that that, that – that addresses why it is that you would prefer that they stay on the sidewalk and that it's not about them personally. It's not about a particular fear that they're going to do damage or be a problem for you. You don't need to get into that, but it erases the idea that that's the reason you're saying stay off my lawn. It's more about just this is something that you'd prefer for whatever that reason is. I'm trying to figure out what exactly those words might be. Cousin, help me out. <laughs> I say go just clear cut to I'm not comfortable. That's that's where I go with that. If I, I try not to go the get precious and specific about it. In my brain, I think a lot of times it can just be easier to not make yourself look like you're easily startled if that's not actually the case. If it is the case, I'd say use it for sure. Instead, you just want to make it your thing, not theirs. I think it should really just be your thing. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't ever make up things to make it seem that way. Agreed. Yeah, because I know some people get they get the idea of, oh, well, if I could show them that this would be a reasonable reason why I'm not – the reasonable reason is that this is your property and you're not comfortable and that's okay to stand up for. I would go up to them and I would rather than call from the door, like those kinds of exchanges, I think it might be why our listener is getting kind of similarly passive and, you know, not corrective behavior back at them is mm-hmm. like really go up and address them. They can't dismiss you if you do that. And so I would walk up to them one morning when you have the time and really get into that three foot zone, you know, and say, it's so nice to give a wave and say hello in the mornings, but I should have been more direct from the start. I'm not comfortable with my driveway being used as a shortcut to the road. And that's it. Just I'm just not comfortable with that. And I I just so appreciate it when people stay on the road. That's it. There's it doesn't need to be any deeper or more heavy or need more weight than that. And if that's not enough, they're going to look like jerks for not honoring a request. You asked about retaliation. And I really want to make it clear that you should never feel like retaliation coming back at you is a reason to not stand up for a reasonable boundary. And I wouldn't go the route of saying, I know in your country, like, no, 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 I wouldn't do that either. You don't need to explain any of that. It is reasonable when you own property for people to not abuse that property and run over it. And you don't even have to talk about it like that with them. It's just, sorry, I should have made it more clear. I'm not comfortable with this. If you could use the road, that would be great. If they question why, I think Dan's language is excellent follow-up. It startles me. Or I love greeting my neighbors and I would love to go for walks and and be friendly and engaging. But when I'm not expecting it, it startles me. And so I, I just... can't help but notice. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I've noticed that you walk every day. And it's lovely to see you in the neighborhood. It's good to see people out and about. But when it happens on my yard, it takes my attention away from whatever I'm doing. Like you say, this might be the follow up. I really like your idea of of, of engaging the conversation. I think you keep that engagement warm and friendly. Yes, you say yes. hi. Maybe you introduce yourself. Absolutely. Hi, I'm so-and-so. I've noticed you taking walks every day. I thought I'd come up and address something directly. I, and, and I think your tone of voice communicated as much to me as what you actually said, <laughs> although I know that oftentimes that good it's tone so of voice <laughs> can come from having some security and some confidence that you know what you're going to say. Yes, bingo. I would practice it a couple times too. Anonymous, we hope that this helps the just passing through problem. If you had been in this situation at the beginning, would you have stopped to think about the damage you might cause to other people's property? Our next question is called Small House, Lots of Love, No Gifts, Please. 
It begins. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you for the show, and congratulations to Dan for your baby girl. We have a baby almost the exact same age, and we have an international Finnish-Italian family. So your stories are very relatable. Greetings from the other side of the world, Helsinki. My conundrum is the following. Our baby's big milestone, his first birthday, is coming. Yay! But we have a small apartment and already way too much stuff for him, mainly because everybody loves to bring him gifts, like toys and clothes. So what would be a nice way to tell guests of the birthday party to not bring stuff? I don't think our baby necessarily needs anything, but if some guests want to give him something, maybe like shared experiences or books, that could be nice. Hello in Helsinki! And hello back from Burlington, Vermont. So good to hear from the other side of the world. And uh, I will reflect those congratulations right back to you. Congratulations on the new baby. Okay, new parent, you're dealing with this. You're going to deal with this. What do you think? These are the best problems to have. (laughs) These are the kinds of etiquette questions that I like because they come from a place where a community is just so generous and there is so much support that, frankly, it's almost overwhelming. And I... We'll just say I sympathize. I was walking around our house yesterday and we're we're just at that phase where Anisha is starting to need the next wave of clothes. All of the baby clothes that were part of wave one aren't quite big enough anymore. She's growing so fast. And we've even started to make the requests to cousins about that next wave of hand-me-downs. And my cousin Joe, who's been so helpful. I know he listens to this podcast. Thank you so much, cousin (laughs) Joe. Even said when we asked him, you know, I've been waiting to offer because I know that the baby clothes can come like a flood and that it can be almost too Too much. much. You end up with boxes and bags full of stuff. And so there are a couple of things that help. One is allow yourself to cycle. Allow yourself to pass this stuff on. Start to develop a routine because it will keep coming. And in some ways that's part of the nature of – these growing little humans, that <laughs> they do require a lot. They take up a lot of space in our lives. And starting to to get easy with letting go of that most adorable <laughs> outfit that was her favorite, most cutest can be difficult, but is also part of this process. Best tip I ever got, take a photo. Take a photo and save the photo. You save the memory. You remember how cute it is, but you don't really need to be able to rub that blanket against your face or that cute little toddler outfit that actually has like four layers of baby spit up buried into it because it's, you know, that's what happens. <laughs> I learned a tip from Lizzie Post that yeah. to even make this an intentional oh my and gosh, concrete yes. moment. And oftentimes birthdays yep. are great times to do it. And before other Before the birthday, before the present giving holiday, make a clean out moment. It's a great idea. And it starts to set those as markers in your life as well as your child's and provides you an opportunity, let's say, to make room for some of the new. As your kids get older, sell it to them on that idea. We've got, oh my goodness, your birthday's coming up. We got to clear room so you could get some new stuff. (laughs) That's part of the nature of this situation. There are some things you can do to reduce the volume. There are also ways to talk to people about the types of gifts and the volume of gifts that are coming at an event like uh, Christmas holiday or a birthday where you're expecting gifts are going to be part of of what people do and what people enjoy doing. And you can provide some direction on that gift giving, but there are good ways to do it and ways that we would not recommend. <laughs> I definitely think that, that one of the best ways you can do it is by word of mouth. That's always our number one option with this type of thing. Um, Make sure that folks have a phone number to call to RSVP to because it gives you the best chance of having that conversation. It often gives the guest a chance to say, oh, what might so-and-so like for a birthday present? And that gives you the opportunity to say, oh, thank you so much. We were really hoping that you would actually, you know, share some words of wisdom that he could open later or, you know, when he's older or an experience. If you wanted to, you know, schedule a visit to the library with him and read him a book while he's there, like we're hoping for folks to give those kind of things because right now he just has so much of the material stuff that he needs. I've heard of people asking for gifts that fit a bookshelf. Yes. (laughs) Where you're going to be able to take all these gifts and put them on a shelf. (laughs) (laughs) Store them. (laughs) I've heard of people requesting gifts of experience like Mm -hmm. Lizzie's talking about. The other piece of direction that I just want to say, it isn't related to this question, but that sometimes comes up around children's gift giving is, I'm sorry, we're not doing video games or we're not doing toys that are made of soft plastics. The list of no's. There are definitely sometimes decisions that parents make about kids and what kids are allowed to have. And 
figuring out a way to get that word out is part of gift giving with children. So people are, are ready to receive some direction. You don't want to be too pushy or demanding. Yes. But letting people know enough information so gifts will be received well is often a part of this phase of life. I would definitely stick to suggesting shared experiences that wouldn't cost a lot. You know, you don't want to say, oh, well, it'd be wonderful if you took Jimmy to, you know, the water park. You know, that could be really getting someone in for a lot. But thinking about things like um, a walk in the park, a play date, something like that. Uh, One of the other ways that you can handle the issue of getting stuff, because some folks do have the issue of parents and friends who just, no matter what they say, oh, well, everyone else will follow the no gift rule and I'm going to get something. And it's okay for people to want to be generous, but actually cutting down your guest list is the best way to cut down on the amount of gifts you're going to have to deal with or the potential of the amount of gifts you're going to have to deal with. So if it's possible, think about having those early year parties. Be very small with just your closest family and friends. And you can always go visit on little play dates and excursions to celebrate with kind of bigger, bigger circles. Let's see, what are your thoughts on no gifts, please? No gifts, please. Traditionally was something you would never put on an invitation because you would never want the focus to jump immediately to gifts. But given that uh, people get really confused about gifts and gift giving and there are moments when honorees or parents in this case really don't want gifts but do want to celebrate that it's actually considerate to let your guests know that. So on this type of birthday invitation that is more of a casual invite for family and friends, it is perfectly okay to write no gifts, please. Um, I would use that as it is and I would not state then like, but we would love, you know, and list a whole bunch of things. That's something that can be communicated again through the RSVP exchange. One piece of traditional etiquette that does still apply has to do with receiving gifts well if they do arrive. Lizzie Post warned that no matter what efforts you make, some people just can't help themselves and they will bring something. In the moment when the gift is given, receiving it well is an important part of good etiquette. Whatever you decide to do with it afterwards, however you decide to manage what you do moving forward in that moment, you thank someone, you look them in the eye, you smile, and you appreciate the thought that went into making the gesture. Hello in Helsinki. We really hope this helps and that you have a great first birthday. Ken, do you like babies? Sure. Your own? I hadn't thought of it. Our next question is titled, Caring but Not Invasive. Dear Lizzie and Dan, thank you for your excellent podcast, which I listen to every week. A question came up recently that I would love your input on. My husband and I have been friends with another couple for a few years now. In the past year, they've been trying to conceive and have run into some obstacles. Tragically, they suffered several miscarriages and most recently have been trying IVF, in vitro fertilization. They shared this with us at the beginning of their IVF process, and we were and still are rooting for their success. Early in the process, we discussed it several times with a hopeful tone. Most recently, I texted my friend well wishes on the morning of one of her appointments where some new results were to be obtained, and she didn't reply. The four of us then went away for a weekend together in Vermont, and the dilemma was whether we should check in and ask how they are doing in the in vitro process. I was inclined to ask because I wouldn't want to give the impression we don't care or aren't interested. Of course, we care about them very much. My husband thought we shouldn't bring it up because it was so personal and sensitive and that we should leave it to them to bring up only if and when they want to talk about it. In the end, no one brought it up all weekend, and I felt a little like there was an elephant in the room. What do you think? What is the best way to show support without being intrusive? Many thanks. Caring, but not intrusive. This is such a great question because this happens in so many different ways, whether maybe it's a breakup, a death in the family, a difficult medical issue. There are just so many times where friends have shared truly personal information with us. We know they are struggling or going through something difficult, and it's going to be a long haul. And you don't know how long to keep the focus. Does every get-together need to ask them how they're doing and, and check in on this? Or is it good to not have moments that focus on this difficult thing? It's so hard to tell. You are so right to tread carefully. 
I'm going to just go straight from my own perspective on this one. The way that I have handled this in the past and the way I have really appreciated it when folks have handled it with me was to straight up address the issue that you're asking about, which is not asking about the in vitro, but it's asking her whether or not she would like to be talking about it. Basically, your goal is to ask your friend how she would like you to be supportive right now. And I think it's okay, given that this person has talked with you about the the issues in the past and that your dialogue about it has changed. It's okay for you to check in with her. You might say something like, Kim, I wanted to check in with you on the baby front. I wasn't sure where you were at with things, and I felt caught between not wanting to press you on the subject, but also not wanting you to think I don't care or I'm no longer supportive. Let me know what you need, because that's always what I want to give you as your friend. I am of a debating mind, Daniel Post-Senning, and maybe the answer is going to be it's the situation and it's your friend that will make the difference. But I could both see a text message or some kind of a visual message to this person being really useful because it gives them the chance to reflect, respond, kind of get, get up to speed, you know, and understand what's being asked of them. I could also see a really caring in-person conversation going, well, I have experienced it both ways. So... My my thought to you was, what what do you think? First of all, I think your sample script was amazing. I really like both your tone and the language. I also think that you're wise to be thinking about the best way to communicate about these things. Yeah. And I'm going to go right back to the question. And th- this question began with a text about a friend that was yeah. one of those texts that's exactly what you're talking about, a well-wishes text. It's mm-hmm. not a heavy, invested conversation communication. Right. It's a little thinking of you on this important day on yes. this this day of of news but and no reply with no reply i think i would follow the the impulse that caring but not intrusive followed i would stop with the text having not had that text acknowledged i would watch those cues from the other person i would leave it there yeah i think a conversation like the one that you suggested is a nice way to readdress the the topic or the subject if if you were going to do it I also hear the husband's voice saying, you know, if they don't bring it up, let's not do it. Totally. And I, I what I liked about the way you raised the the whole question was that it wasn't asking for information, it was asking for how to support. I think that makes it a really safe ask. I also think that sometimes the good work you do as a friend is just holding space, sometimes providing some normalcy, providing a weekend in Vermont where It's just you and your buddies and you enjoy the foliage and you have a good time is sometimes is the support and figuring out whether that's what's needed or the other can be a little tricky. I don't think you're necessarily ignoring an elephant in the room by having that weekend just be that weekend. Caring but not intrusive. We hope that gives you the support you need to figure out what the next step with this friend is going to be. Yes, everywhere you go, people talk about thoughtfulness. Well, just what does thoughtfulness mean? How does it fit into your everyday life? I love our final question today. It's called Monogram Madness. I recently married and moved my maiden name, which is Maiden, pause for laughter, Ha ha ha. to the middle without dropping my middle name given at birth. So I added a Spanish surname and have no idea what my new monogram should be. I'm from the South. You know we monogram anything that isn't moving, so I appreciate your help. My full name is Rajan Vi Maiden Del Valle. How do I turn this sweet moniker into a monogram? Thank you, RDV, I think. I love this email. It's delicious. and I hope I pronounced uh, Rajan's name correctly. I hope so, too. <laughs> I want to answer the question and cover a few basics on monograms. Good idea. Just so that we're very clear here in an area where there is actually some gray area and some choice involved. Totally. So there's two forms that monograms often take. There is the a standard form and a monogram form. In the standard form, you go with the names in the order that they appear. 
So if my name is Daniel Post Senning, my monogram would be DPS in the standard form. Okay. If we're going with the more traditional monogram form, which is what most people are looking for, the last name actually becomes the center letter in the monogram because you really want to emphasize it. So Daniel Post Senning actually becomes DSP with the S being that large center letter that's really the focus of the monogram. And that's what most people are talking about when they talk about what – to use for a monogram, particularly if we're talking about a tradition like the Southern tradition where you're emphasizing the family name. Usually when there is something like Del Valley, you would use the D. You just use the first letter. If it's O'Malley or Von Henry, it's an O or a V. So in this case, the Del Valley, you're going to use the D from that name. So that being your last name, that's going to be the center letter. R is going to be the first letter in the monogram. And for that final letter, you get your choice between the two middle names, either Vi or Maiden. So you would end up with a traditional monogram with something that's either RDV, like you think, or RDM, your other option. In some ways, I really like the idea of the RDM because it honors the family names. It honors the maiden name that you brought into the relationship and your new last name. But I don't know where the name Vi comes from. That might be a really important family name also. You might just prefer the look or the sound of the monogram RDV over RDM. You really have your choice between those two options when you're talking about the structure of your monogram. And like so many things, we want it to be simple, and yet there's always options, right? Even with those like Vaughns and Dells, you can, if you want, choose to use the first letter of what I tend to think of as the family last name portion of that, as opposed to the kind of pre-word that comes ahead of it. So you could technically run with your V for your last name for the valley part of it, as opposed to D for Dell Valley. And it just depends. It looks from the way we're seeing it in your email, those names are separated. So it's really your choice. And to add even one more layer of confusion, there are options for four-letter monograms as well. Some places do that. These start to get a little busy. They get a little big. But if you really are invested in all four names, this is also an option, as is a hyphenated option if you have a hyphenated last name. Basically, the bottom line is however you would like to see your name represented is what you get to do. And if someone asks questions, you by all means can explain to them the complexities of your name and the options that that affords you. Thank you to everyone who sent us questions. You can send updates or comments about the answers that we give to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question, comment, or update on the show. You know, each week we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And we had some wonderful encouragement and thoughts for our listener who was worried about friends not coming to a housewarming party. Sharon says, Hi, I use Facebook, but I do not use Messenger. So when people invite me using Messenger, I do not respond because I do not use the Messenger app. So do not take a non-response personally smiles. Catherine writes, Dear Lizzie and Dan, I'm listening to the latest episode and wanted to follow up on Lizzie's sage advice about Facebook Messenger invitations. A number of Facebook users do not use Messenger for a variety of reasons. I'm one of those people who has not chosen to engage with the app. While I cannot speak to whether that creates an automatic opt-out of group invitations, it would certainly appear to the inviter to be a non-response. I hope your listener might have another way to contact her invitees as they may may feel terrible to know that a pending invitation is sitting in a mailbox that they do not access. And I am sure they do not want to make her feel anxiety or hurt in any way by failing to respond. I certainly appreciate that. I've never used Facebook Messenger myself. and You might have invitations just sitting there, man. It's possible. <laughs> Finally, Ashley writes in with advice from her dad to focus on the positive. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. First, thank you for awesome etiquette. I'm a 25-year-old who began listening to your podcast shortly after I graduated from college a few years ago. 
It has provided me so much guidance during this time of emerging adulthood, and family and friends have started asking me for advice on etiquette because they know I listen to you. I have some feedback for the listener who was hurt by friends not responding to her evite or removing themselves from a group Facebook message. Even as somebody who is very extroverted and frequently social, I feel this listener's pain. It is so easy to take an ignored invitation, a no-show, or even a no-RSVP personally. A trick I learned from my dad as a teenager has helped me to change the way I handle situations like this, and it may help this listener too. When I was upset about friends ignoring an invitation or even being unable to an attend event because of other commitments, my dad would say, if somebody doesn't want to be at your birthday party, do you really want the person to be there? His point, of course, was that the best gatherings are those made up of people whose first choice is to be at that gathering. I have found that rather than make me feel anger or spite at those friends not in attendance, asking myself this question makes me feel gratitude for those who are. Ultimately, we don't want friends to attend an event out of obligation or to miss a prior commitment or even a much-anticipated night at home on the couch in order to attend. It can be hurtful when a friend ignores or denies an invitation. But the birthday party rule helps me instead to focus on the honor it is when a friend accepts an invitation and then shows up. My roommate and I now host a quarterly party at our apartment and invite many friends from different social circles. Each time, there are more than a handful of friends who ignore the invitation— who accept the invitation and never show up, or otherwise demonstrate bad etiquette. But at the end of the night, I choose to reflect instead on all the loved ones who chose to be there, whether it was two people or 25. Reframing my perception in this way has made me a much better host and has made me appreciate my own gathering so much more. Bad behavior is everywhere, but good behavior is too. Sometimes it's better to focus on that. Ashley. I love Ashley's attitude because it's not just about thinking like, well, those who didn't want to come aren't here. Like, it's not about making it nasty. It's about actually really making it positive and realizing that everybody has has lives and adventures and events and maybe a night home on the couch is really what they would like to do. And would you want a friend there who really doesn't want to be there? No. And that doesn't make them a bad friend. It's just your schedules didn't align. I just love, 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 love that kind of a mentality. Ashley, we're glad the show's been a help, and please give your father our best. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. postscript segment this week is on thanksgiving prep wait thanksgiving prep yes already yes we're getting ready early believe it or not four to five weeks ahead is when you want to start thinking about inviting people checking in with your usual thanksgiving celebration friends family the guests that's what they would be called lizzie guests (laughs) so actually we're right on schedule we really are i timed this one nicely this year So I thought it would be really great if we could kind of run down a a little bit of a timeline for Thanksgiving prep, things that you should think about during what weeks so that it doesn't feel like you have to think about everything all at once two weeks before the holiday. I like it. Dan, start us off with four to five weeks ahead. Four to five weeks ahead. It's time to establish the date and time. You probably know which day. I was going to (laughs) say. You're going to do this. But it's also the busiest social day of the year on many people's calendar. I know it's the busiest day on our website. Mm -hmm. Our traffic spikes through the roof. It tells me more people are setting more tables (laughs) on this particular day than any other time. So you definitely want to talk to your guests and you want to figure out exactly who's coming, who has commitments, where and when. And you also want to start thinking about your own planning. And that includes all kinds of things, not the least of which is your budget. Absolutely. And when it comes to this time to invite and we're talking about a major holiday, Dan Post Senning, you have a piece of advice that you always bring up around traditions. And that is that if this is the year that you are changing a tradition, it's really important to let folks know that. If we are used to going to Aunt Anna's in Vermont every single year and Aunt Anna three weeks ahead of time says, hey, guess what? I'm not doing that. We're off to Florida. You know, that's a big surprise. So four to five weeks ahead really gives people a little bit more time to plan. I know a lot of folks drive for this holiday. It's really good if those traditions are changing or if they're staying the same to let people know it's the annual call. We're fine out if you want to come this year, if you're still in, we'd love to have you. That's sort of an attitude. I like it. it. So what happens at three to four weeks ahead? So you're going to 
send out invitations, whether that's mail, phone, email, and really phone and email are okay. You don't need to mail printed <laughs> invitations to your Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah. It's a lovely thought. It's but, a coordination holiday. But talk to people. <laughs> Oftentimes these are some of your closest friends and family, but sometimes they're traveling from a little further away. Sometimes they're coming distances. So touch base, whatever the appropriate medium is. If you have been contacted, it is important that you reply. <laughs> RSVPs the never con- die. continuing importance of the RSVP cannot be overstated. Yeses or no, no. Yeses are no's and no's are yeses. Dan, what are you saying? <laughs> what I'm saying is yeses are okay, no's are okay. The problem on any guest list is the question mark. So get back to your host. Let them know what you're thinking. Absolutely. Three to four weeks ahead is also the time when you're going to pre-order the main event for most tables, I will say. You're, uh, when you think about things like uh, having your big Thanksgiving Day turkey. Or maybe if you're vegetarian, it's a Thanksgiving Day squash. I don't know. Um, but you want to pre-order that main event. You want to make sure that the the ingredients, the things that you need are going to be on hand when that holiday shopping rush hits the week of Thanksgiving. Nothing worse than when all of the creamed onions are unavailable because there are no more little pearl onions available in the supermarket. And on what day would they not be? Well, about three days before Thanksgiving. Can you can you guess what Dan's favorite priority on the Thanksgiving <laughs> buffet table is? <laughs> also on the three-week-ahead list is to think about if you are doing a potluck-style Thanksgiving where a lot of people are contributing, this is a really great time to touch base, make sure that people are armed with their recipes that if they're traveling, they have anything they need once they get to your house to be able to make that dish hot and serve it up. It's the time to to just coordinate and make sure everyone's on board with the right things so that if things have shifted or if people's abilities have changed, you can fill in the gaps. This is also the perfect time to address any particular dietary needs that might need to be met. Two weeks ahead. What are we doing two weeks ahead, Dan? Um, We're doing a little check-in. We're looping back around to folks that have RSVP'd or who haven't, (laughs) more (laughs) importantly, because it's time to finalize menus, some of those other plans, things like recipes. um, Beverages, like the add-ons that are going to come around the meal. Exactly. Start to assemble all of those non-perishables that are going to be a part of the meal as well as the food. So this is another time when we're going to be making lists of all the ingredients we need, the beverages, the flowers, the decorations, the special equipment, also tasks that need to be done. We always love giving my mom's advice of if you have a lot of people coming and they're close family and friends, start thinking about ways they can help out because they are also going to be asking you how they could help out. You want to check your pantry for your staples? This is not the time to run out of nutmeg and not be able to get it day of. So make this master list of everything that you're going to need in these um, two week about two weeks ahead is where we're at still. Butter, cooking oil, herbs, spices, condiments, broths. These are the things you don't always think of when you're there to get the green beans, but you need everything else to cook the green beans. Um, also, now is the time to send any table linens to the dry cleaner or to wash and iron them if necessary. Get them prepped and ready so that day of they just need a, a light iron or a light shakeout in order to be ready for the table. One week ahead. What's dun, next? Dun, dun. <laughs> You're tearing your hair out and terrified of what Aunt Helga is really going to bring? No. But because you've had a five-week countdown, you're actually in pretty good shape. Right. <laughs> and you're ready to check some final things off your list. Things like candles, decorations, flowers, whether you're picking them or ordering them. Uh, you might even think about things that start to be those little flourishes, those little touches, like a playlist. Um, you're probably not going to play holiday music for a holiday that's coming. <laughs> so pick something that's going to be right for the occasion. Absolutely. And don't forget, too, now is a good time to be purchasing wine, beer, other beverages that you're going to have throughout the day because they store so well. You don't have to get them day of the way or, or a couple days before the way you do some of those perishable items. So think about stocking up on the things that you can store easily that way a couple days before your to-do list is a lot easier i'm feeling better already are you really i'm feeling well prepared you're not even here for thanksgiving this year i'm starting to look forward to a delicious thanksgiving meal (laughs) as i start to think about all of these preparations it's reminding me this is the day that our website explodes because more people are sitting around more tables it's a big meal it's a big event it's not the usual and a little bit of preparation can go a long way towards making everything go smoothly we like to end our show each week on a high note so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world and that can come in so many forms 
Dear Dan and Lizzie, first, I would like to say I'm a big fan of your work. I've been listening to your podcast since the beginning and truly feel like it has helped me become a more considerate and understanding person. The way you two work through listeners' etiquette queries together has given me a framework for understanding my own interpersonal conundrums, and I'm grateful for the insights that you impart. So I am writing to give an etiquette salute to my grandmother, admittedly by way of an unsalute-worthy preamble on my part. I guess I'm only slightly more considerate and understanding. (laughs) I was out to dinner tonight with my parents, uncle, aunt, and grandmother to celebrate my grandmother's birthday. After the meal, gifts were exchanged. My grandmother had brought along a gift for my aunt, whose birthday had just passed, a nice leather purse and silk scarf, plus a gift receipt in case my aunt wasn't into that. My uncle had gotten my grandmother books that not only were offensive to my grandmother in content, but in presentation as well. My grandmother does not appreciate sparkly pink things, and the gift bag was as pink and sparkly as it could have gotten. My uncle really put salt in the wound when he said he didn't provide a gift receipt so that my grandmother couldn't return the items and told her he would quiz her on what she might learn from the gifts when she reads them. I felt that this woman deserved more, not in quantity or expense, but in thoughtfulness, in effort, in love. In the car on the way back to her apartment, I said, knowing that she typically spends at least a few hundred dollars a year in gifts for my uncle and aunt, you should start buying them crummy gifts. She said no. I will give gifts the way I always have, which is thoughtfully, generously, and with joy. Shout out to my grandmother in this and so many other situations where she acts according to what she feels is right and not, as so many people do, reactively or with an eye-for-eye mentality. She is not a woman of means, but takes every opportunity to be generous to those around her, not just financially, but in heart, empathy, and understanding. It took such a stark moment of rudeness for me to really reflect upon it, But I hope that I and others in these complex times can take a page out of her book and stay grounded and kind. Thanks and all the best. Name withheld. Thank you for sharing this lovely salute. And I appreciate your hesitancy about fully fleshing out the rudeness that precipitated (laughs) it. But I think it helps. It helps us to understand what really sounds like a generous, kind, thoughtful, and in some ways – just truly excellent response your grandmother yeah. had to the situation. What an amazing example to have in your life. And I'm so glad that she is there being one of those people looking rudeness in the face and bringing politeness and joy and generosity to the table. Thank you for that salute. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. And thank you for listening. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And you can help us out. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. What else? There are tons of places. Wherever you get your podcasts. Please consider subscribing and leaving us a review. Our show was edited by Chris Albertine. Thank you, Thank Chris. Thank you, Chris. 